Welcome back, everybody, to the London's First Podcast. Thank you for tuning in again today. The last episode with Ben Jacobs went really, really well, and I have been working hard to try and get some more guests on. And today we've got a really, really good guest. Um, he's a very, very reliable journalist in the transfer world. Also does some really good pieces himself. Works for The Guardian. Jacob Steinberg, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Um, been a busy time at Chelsea. Um, a very hectic time on and off the field. I can only imagine... You as a journalist have been extremely busy um, covering Chelsea, of course, and other clubs, West Ham included. How has it sort of been over the last few weeks? Uh, over the last um, about 15 months, I'd say it's been pretty <laughs> True. hectic ever since, um, ever since, obviously, everything started to happen with the previous ownership. Um, it's just been one drama to the next, really. Um, so you, you obviously started off with, with that. Um, story which nobody saw coming and then progressed obviously onto these owners and uh, obviously since they've come in it's been pretty hectic as well um, from managers through to through to players and all the changes obviously that have been taking place um, away from away from the pitch as well so yeah it's been pretty busy uh, it's a little bit quieter at the moment I guess because the you know normal Chelsea season you'd expect them to be having a lot more to play for at this stage of the season, but it's kind of quietened down. And so the focus has probably gone away from Chelsea a little bit. And we're just waiting for the white smoke to appear and the confirmation of the new manager to come in. And then I guess it will start up again. Yeah, on that, I think it's a it's a good sort of leading point. On to Pochettino. How have talks been with Chelsea? Obviously, I've um, read some of your articles, but for some of the people that, you know, um, don't and listen to this podcast more regularly. How have how have talks been with Pochettino? Have they discussed transfer targets? Obviously, it's it's seemingly very close now. Um, we'll t- we'll talk about some transfer targets, maybe specifically in a little bit. But yeah, how have how have the talks gone with Pochettino? How has he ended up um, being the the front man over um, you know Luis Enrique, Julian Nagelsmann? Um, yeah, how how has it how has it sort of gone over the last few weeks? Well, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of the names that uh, obviously have been, had those initial meetings with Chelsea, uh, Nagelsmann and, and Luis Enrique. And initially, it obviously seemed that they were the going to be the front runners and that it was quite possibly going to be between those two for the job. Obviously, there was other names that kind of floated in and out at times. Um you know, people like Ruben Amarim, uh, Vincent Company was obviously mentioned as well. It really did seem like it was going to be these two who would be fighting out for it. Luis Enrique obviously had the uh, meeting with, with Chelsea. Um, God, I think it was the day that it sort of came out that Lampard was going to be the interim manager. And then it really felt like it was going to be Nagelsmann's to, to lose. Not that he was ever necessarily the out-and-out leading candidate, but it was going to be him who was probably going to have given himself the best chance and throughout it all when when those guys were being put forward I, I always kind of looked at it and thought okay you know these are obviously two pretty good managers but there is this um Argentinian guy who's kind of there and and, and ready to take a job if somebody can convince him to do that and um you know obviously things kind of broke down with uh with with Nagelsmann um both sides, I guess, would have their own version of events as to why that happened, and um, and obviously Chelsea weren't uh, weren't so hot on on Luis Enrique, so it kind of became clear around that around that time, um, you know, when 
when some of the when some of the chat was about you know three man shortlist, four man shortlist, about uh, you know the potentially names that hadn't even been spoken about and hadn't been mentioned in uh, in the press, um, it always seemed to me like the obvious person to go to was Maurizio Pochettino, and that throughout all that point at which we were talking about Nagelsmann and Enrique, you know, I always thought that the person who made the most sense, who had the Premier League experience, knows. Did, you know, did a fantastic job at, at Tottenham, and um, I don't think that should be uh, really brought into the conversation when it comes to whether or not fans are going to accept him, because it, I don't think it really matters. And and um, you know, when we're talking about it being a long, considered, exhaustive process, I've always thought that it doesn't really need to be. I think that the the man is is, is right there for them, and it was always going to be a case of could they. Um, sell the vision of the club to him were they going to be convinced by him as well um and you know they obviously they they met Pochettino uh when they were uh sacking Thomas Tuchel back in September and uh, and they and they plumped for Graham Potter instead and you know maybe get 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 into that if, if later on if you want but you know the Potter thing I'm sure you've gone over that quite a lot but I always thought that that seemed to, to, to go for Potter when Pochettino was available, I thought that at the time probably was a bit of a strange call. And I think it's um, for the best, probably both parties, but probably more so Chelsea, that they've gone back to, to Pochettino because I think he's a fantastic manager. Um, it's not there yet. <laughs> it sounds like things have moved quite slowly. It, 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 initially, when it you know emerged that he was gonna probably going to be him, it felt like we might get an announcement quite soon. Um, and really, it's just been a case of waiting and waiting and waiting. But I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. I think the that sort of little unknown twist that is potentially there is um, what happens if Real Madrid go out of the Champions League against Manchester City, and they decide that they um, that they that they want to sack Carlo Ancelotti, which um, would probably be a mad decision given what he's done for the club so far, and then. It turns out that they happen to want Pochettino, but that would probably be a bit of a gamble for Pochettino to hang on and wait for that to 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 materialise. So, I think this, I think it's um, it, it should happen soon, and uh, it's just been a case of waiting and waiting and waiting, really. Um, but yeah, all the indications are that there isn't anybody else now in the picture. It it should be him, and I think he'll. I think it's the right appointment. Yeah, I always said um, I do some streams on YouTube with other content creators as well. And I've said to a few journalists, I was like, you know, looking at it, I, I do agree with you. I think even though I was maybe a little bit more intrigued by, you know, the possibility of what Julian Nagelsmann could do in the Premier League. Um, and obviously a little bit uh, towards Luis Enrique as well for his experience. Um, but I always said, you know, to these guys, I thought just looking at our squad with the young players and, you know, sort of Premier League experience. Pochettino development of young players. I thought he kind of suited in with with sort of the way the owners want to 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 sort of build the vision around Chelsea as well. So I do agree with you there. Um, just on Luis Enrique, why did it sort of collapse so quickly, or was there just never any like why why did Chelsea you know not fancy Luis Enrique? Because obviously uh, a lot of us um, on Twitter at least saw um the ones that follow news saw Luis Enrique fly over to to London that was being videoed and obviously had some talks but it seemed pretty uh, he was you know sort of fly over out the picture very quickly do you know a bit more detail on on why Chelsea didn't didn't really fancy Enrique as much as maybe some Chelsea fans did 
Yeah, it sounded like he had a lot of demands, and I think a big one that he wanted was that the he really wanted to work with a much much smaller squad, and so I don't think they were able to to get to a um, point where that was going to be uh, going to be possible. But I think as well there was a bit of um, he's. A, He's clearly a, he's clearly a very talented manager. I think that you've got a little bit of doubt with with Luis Enrique and that he's not um, in in that you can kind of pay, place certain caveats, I guess, against some of his achievements. So you might take the the fact that he won the the treble with Barcelona, and you you, you might look at that and say they played fantastic football that season in in twenty fourteen fifteen, and that if he could replicate that at Chelsea. That would be, or, or another club in 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 um in the Premier League. That would be fantastic. But then I suppose the the concern that you might have would be, well, he did have sort of a peak Neymar, uh, a Messi who <laughs> probably much quicker than he is now, and uh, you know Luis Suarez as well at his peak as well as a, as a front three midfield behind them of, of Busquets, Iniesta, and and Rakitic. With think you know Xavi was still around at that point, so. You're still talking about one of the all-time great teams, and and so you, you might start to wonder: is he is he going to be able to to replicate that elsewhere? Now, uh, I suppose after that as well, after that first season at Barcelona, the um, you might look and say that the team, to be fair, did age quite um, quite dramatically, and and probably a few players started to go into decline, um, but. But obviously, they they had some early exits from the from the Champions League following that, and um, some quite disappointing ones. And there was one in twenty eighteen against Roma, where they were in the quarterfinals, where they were four one up from the first leg, and, and managed to lose the second leg three 0 against the team that um, you know was that they probably shouldn't have been losing to. So there was certain it wasn't an unqualified success at Barcelona. You probably say, and then you know since then he's been in international management and. Um, you know, he obviously did probably well at Euro 2020, did well in the Nations League, but then the World Cup, it didn't go spectacularly. So you, you wouldn't have taken, I guess, Luis Enrique and, and said this is, you could take this and say this is definitely going to be something that's going to work. I know that, you know, the idea of whether or not someone's worked in England, I mean, you, you might take the Roberto de Zerbi argument and say, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really matter because if you're a good coach, then you, you're going to be a success. And the, um, and again, the Barcelona point might say, well, what's Pep done with, you know, without Messi as well, actually sort of won, won everything at, at Bayern Munich by the Champions League and has dominated England with with Manchester City. So perhaps that shouldn't be such a consideration. But, you know, again, I think that with Luis Enrique, you're probably talking a slight bracket down from, from Guardiola. So I suppose that you've just got that little bit of doubt there, a little less of a known more more of an unknown quantity than than Pochettino, I guess, when it comes to um to English football, and you know as as, as you probably asked, but in, in terms of in terms of Nagelsmann again, I think that obviously a hugely talented coach, um, very very exciting, probably you know in, in Germany regarded as the you know most talented coach of his of his generation, and he'll probably go on to from here to get over the what happened at at Bayern Munich and and have a fantastic career but um while you know all the initial indications were that there were you know pretty influential people on the Chelsea board who who really wanted Nagelsmann and thought he was you know really really talented I guess what happened at Bayern Munich it was a um not not 
I suppose it was one of those things where you 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 wonder if you know he might need a little bit of a break away from things. And I know he wanted to uh, wait until the wait until the summer to take the job. Didn't want to take it instantly in the way that obviously Tuchel did going into Bayern to to go in and a, a week later he's playing that Champions League tie against Manchester City and and then Chelsea couldn't do that with with Nagelsmann going into the Real Madrid game. But uh, you know that's a, the way that ended for him at Bayern. That's probably taken a um, it's probably taken a chunk out of him. Uh, emotionally, and and I think that uh, to, to potentially for Chelsea to go into um, that kind of appointment, where you know in his first really really big job, it's it's not gone so well. He obviously he won the the, the Bundesliga at, in his in his first season, but um, you know Bayern generally do win the Bundesliga, and this season it's obviously turned into a real fight, and um, and, and obviously has has not gone so brilliantly. Um, so I think that there probably would have been a little bit of concern about that and just whether or not, you know, he's, he's so young, he's 35 and whether or not um, he might have, it might have, having been a very difficult job for him at Bayern, whether it might have been too much for him at Chelsea. Um, I might, I, I personally thought, is that, is this going to be something where it might slightly blow up? Are you, think, are you looking, partly, I, partly I got sort of slight VS Boas vibes out of it. Um, where obviously he was the big thing in, in 2011 when, when Chelsea hired him. And and as well, I suppose the, the, the other worry was going to be, is he going to be a little bit like Tuchel and a younger version? And obviously, we all saw what happened last summer where that didn't mesh well at all with with, with this ownership and, and ended quite quickly. So I, I, while you know I, I agree with you, it would have been really interesting to see Nagelsmann come and maybe it would in the future, who knows? Um, I, I can. I, I always had slight misgivings about whether or not it was going to work, um, and and, and uh, I just think that Pochettino, he's sixteen years older than the Nagelsmann, you know, longer in the tooth and everything. And probably, I just I just get the sense that he's going to be able to handle this all a bit better than than someone of Nagelsmann's age might have done. Um, who knows? But it's hard to say, and and it might not work for Pochettino because it's a very difficult job, but. That's just the vibe I get between those two candidates. Yeah, I agree with you. I think just the whole like sort of consensus maybe in the sort of Chelsea borders, Pochettino just ticks more boxes, I guess. He's 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 less of a risk. Um, even with Enrique, I I thought, you know, really outside of Barca, he's only managed um a couple of other clubs. So obviously he was with Spain. Um, but yeah, the, the, that was definitely a risk to it, even though, you know, he's quite experienced as a as a person, but um yeah, I do agree with you. I could see Poch working, definitely, but it's definitely a tough job. And um, one of the main things Chelsea need to do is, is trim this squad down massively. Um, and I think it's going to be hard in the summer, actually, to to, to sell players, even if, if our fans think it isn't, because everyone knows, you know, we're going to become a bit of a selling club, at least for, for the summer. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult to, to get rid of players for, for decent prices. But... I just want to ask you one more thing on the manager. I know a few people have asked me um, privately before. Have Chelsea ever considered Jose Mourinho, to your knowledge, at all during this process? Uh, no. <laughs> no. It's always been, my, it's always been my um, it's it's been my my jokey prediction that um, as it sort of as it sort of um, meandered on with with uh, where when they hadn't been any real clarity over who was going to take over that I thought oh they're just going to end up with with Jose and he'll definitely do it he'll come back for the third run at it and uh, you know what I, I wouldn't rule out rule out it ever happening but 
Um, no, it's, I don't think it's... There have been rumours about it, but they've always been shot down uh, pretty quickly, and I, I don't think so. I mean, he's doing pretty well at, um, at Roma, so, I mean, I, I'm not sure if they would want to part company just yet. It's, he's not in his third season yet, is he? So, um, so yeah, they haven't got the... Uh, they haven't had the full taste of what that can be like, I guess. Yeah, I just, to be fair, on, on Roma's point of view, I think Mourinho, as, as much as he's doing well there, if he did get a chance to come back to Chelsea, I think he'd, he'd run back to us just because of, you know, I think even in the Sky interview before, like a few months ago, he said, sort of hinted that he'd like to return. But um, yeah, I think it doesn't really make sense for our current squad, to be to be honest with you. Not that Jose couldn't adapt, but, you know, seen in the past before with some some young players and stuff, didn't quite work out. So Anyway, Jacob, let's move on more to the sort of current squad transfer targets as well. Um, the first thing I want to ask you, and you've reported about it a little bit already, is the, the Mason Mount contract situation. Now, as someone who, you know, doesn't really hear that much and just reports news, only hears a little bit, um, it's a bit boring, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just want it to get sorted out um, one way or another. Um, what is your latest understanding on, on the Mason Mount contract situation, specifically how, like, you know, there's journalists on either side. Some will report, well, you know, it's actually not about the money. It's about the contract length. He doesn't want to, you know, commit to seven, eight years sort of thing. I've heard Simon Johnson say that from the Athletic. And there's others who say, no, Chelsea just don't want to give him his demand. So what's your understanding on the situation? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the, the contract length, there will be, always be players who will take this, um, get, get, get offers from Chelsea on, on that front and those those kind of, um, that length of deal will be put to them and they won't want to do it. I, I know of, um, of, of, of one player who, who just came away going, oh, why, why would I want to sign a, a seven-year contract? Because you, you shut down um, shut down your options. And I, I guess the, the best example for anybody to to look at and, and, and wonder why you'd ever sign a contract of, of that length would be Harry Kane at, at Tottenham, um, who obviously... If, if he if he'd not signed a six year deal back back when he did, he probably would be playing for Manchester City now and uh, and winning titles and, and everything else. Um, my my understanding is always been that um, that what what will be on offer in terms of money is is uh, that they're not on the same page on that front. Um, they're they I think they're still if there is to be a um, a, a breakthrough on it. They're, they're, I think there's still a desire for that to happen on um, on both sides. I mean, you know, when when you think of Mason Mount, he's, he's Chelsea through and through. He's been at the club for forever. What since he was about six years old or seven years old, isn't it? So, you know, this is all he's known from a from a football perspective. So, so really, why would he not want this to get sorted out? And and why would he? Um, why would he not want uh, to to stay at Chelsea and, and and ultimately probably become the captain? And that, that's really, I mean, between him and Reese James, that's what I think should happen. Is that Mason Mount should be the um, or Reese anyway between them should be the club captain and the and the leader of the new generation. So I think you need those. Um, I think you need that connection. I think uh, you probably see a lot of stuff on social media where um, where, where fans get on Mason Mount's back, but I, I think that if you look at the reception that he gets from the match going fans I think you, you get a very different picture in the way that he's appreciated and I think from, on that perspective why would the club want to lose this I you know I, I've always thought that they, they have to do everything they can to um to get to a point where they can uh where they can 
uh, keep him and, and convince him to sign on and, and uh, come up with the money that it will that it will that it will take to do so. Um, you know, I think that there came there was a point around uh, there was a point around January February where obviously he really wasn't playing very well, and, and I think you see now as well that he's uh, now that he's had an operation as well that that things have um, beyond the fact that you know he's probably been a little bit unsettled that he's probably not been you know he's been struggling with injury as well, so he's not probably been able to physically hit the uh, the levels that he did in the previous two seasons under Thomas Tuchel, probably before that under Frank Lampard as well. Um, and you, you got to that point where he got dropped and um, everything was, you know, everything was pinned around Jao Felix and, and, and Mudrick coming in and, you know, this is going to be the new Chelsea and, and we don't need Mason Mount. And actually what happened was they weren't any better without him and that probably he wasn't the problem. Um, and... and <laughs> You know what was going to be this golden new age actually turned out to be not not very much at all, and that actually the, they really did miss the player who'd probably been their best player for the last two or three seasons, give or take Reese James and Thiago Silva. You'd have to say. Um, so I, I think that Chelsea really would be making a massive mistake if they if they if they let this go. I, I my vibe, you know, you never say never, you never say never, and you you know you never know what can happen and how things can change around because I'm, I'm not in the um I'm not going to be sitting in the room with them when they when they talk and everything so there's always the chance they can find a way through and I think what would be influential I, I, I think in this is going to be potentially Maurizio Pochettino in the I look at Mason Mount look at how Pochettino um a has that focus on academy players and b just the way he plays in terms of the energy um I if I was him I'd be very much wanting to keep Mason Mount and telling the board to, to do to do everything they can to keep him but whether or not still they're able to get to that point I'm not sure and my what's been said repeatedly over the last few months is that a lot of people think that he will end up leaving um that that uh that they'll get to the point this summer where they feel they have to make that decision and if the offer comes in at the right level I'm not sure exactly what uh it's kind of pointless me speculating on, on what the numbers would be because you're never quite sure but um but that, that he probably would end up leaving if he hasn't signed a new deal it's not i don't think it's going to be allowed to run into a final year of uncertainty and you know i think that liverpool very much the favorites um i think that you know they need to rebuild their midfield and uh, i look at it again and uh for similar reasons for for, for why well, I think that he'd be good for Pochettino is why well, I think he'd be good for a Jurgen Klopp side as well. Um, and I know that Manchester United have also been been looking at um, looking at Mason Mount as well. They I think they need a bit more quality and energy and physicality in midfield that that, that he could offer. And I think that um, he, I think you know he do I think he'd be a good signing for them. There's the two called Lincoln Bayern. I, probably be surprised if that was to come off and obviously there's been the links with uh with arsenal my, my my instinct would be that if he was to leave it would be to liverpool but um you know i i hope that uh i hope you know for his sake to be honest that um because I, I i think that ultimately he would leave with a heavy heart I'd, I'd like him to find a i'd like them to come up with with something that would keep him there and i think for their sake as well i think that um you know i think that I think this would be a big PR win for them. I think it would. Uh, I don't think it would go down too well with supporters if they were to lose Mason Mount um, after the year that's just been. To be honest. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd always said, um, you know, I think it's quite bad optics if if Mount does leave. 
Um, but they are in a difficult position, obviously, because they need player sales in the summer. We need to trim the squad and Mount would demand, you know, probably upwards of 50, 60 million pounds, I would say. Um, some reports even suggesting Chelsea would demand at least up to 70 million pounds, even though he would only have a year left. But um, so they're in that position. Like he's one of the main guys, probably apart from perhaps Havertz that, that could raise a, a big fee, maybe Conor Gallagher as well. Um, and then, so you've got that side. Um, and then you've also got like, what is Mason Mount demanding? You know, it's image rights and that type of thing. So I think it's more confusing than just sort of, you know, give him a contract, he's Chelsea through and through, you can't let him leave. But I do agree, I, I would like to see him stay. Um, so let, let's move on a little bit, continuing with the midfield, but away from Mason Mount. You put a report up last night that Mateo Kovacic um, could potentially leave. There's, there's you know, you, there's not um, an expectation that, that things will change in terms of contract. Um, by the way, you're you're talking to probably the number one Mateo Kovacic fan here. I, I really like him as a player. Um, I'd be disappointed if he was allowed to leave. I think Chelsea need experience in the squad. Um, and I, I think Chelsea should keep Kovacic. But what's your understanding on, on that situation? Why is, you know, is is it Kovacic's end that just, just wants a new challenge? Or is it Chelsea thinking, OK, we could get some money here for Kovacic. He's been a little bit inconsistent this season. And also, just after that, Jacob, our current midfield sort of target list, um, who is at the top? There's a lot of people asking me about uh, Manuel Lugarte from from Sporting as well, if you could just touch on that, if you know anything. Uh, I, I, I don't know about Manuel. Um, you know, that's a name that you've, you've hit me with, and I'll have to, I'll have to go and check my, my Portuguese football knowledge. Um, uh, obviously, they've done pretty well this season in the Europa League. Um and I think if you look at some of the players that have come out of there, there'd be some, you know, generally you get some good players out of sporting. Uh, probably looking at, if you're looking at uh, players who've come and done in the Premier League, then obviously Jao Paulinho was there last season. So he's been a pretty, pretty good player come, come from sporting. Um, yeah, I mean, on, on, on Kovacic, uh, I, I think that my expectation is that at this stage that he would be someone who would leave Chelsea this summer. Again, he's in a similar situation to Mount uh, with, with one year left. Um, and I think it's further back than, than it was with, with Mount. Um, I don't think that anything's really that advanced on, on him in terms, of, in terms of a new deal. And I think that when it comes to, again, that situation uh, in the final 12 months that, that Chelsea would look to sell. And I think just on that, I mean, I think that they, they 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 come to it where they will look at it and think that when they came to the club they they lost um and this was really the the fourth the the previous regime they lost andreas christensen they lost antonio rudiger on on free transfers they then inherit a situation um where engolo kante one year left Jorginho, one year left they had the cesar aspilicueta situation i guess with tiago silva it's a little bit different because of his age you're kind of going from season to season but it, it kind of creates that uncertainty where, and it also gives you a lot to do and, and, and to sort out where um, you're never quite sure what, what could what could happen. And it creates that pressure and uncertainty in the dressing room beyond that over the contract. So I think that I can understand why they're probably going to have to sort of be quite ruthless from a business point of view when it comes to uh, players who, who don't have too long left on, on their contracts. Obviously, it seems like they're going the other, you know, the ultimate fail safe on, on, on the, uh, 
to counteract this by you know with these eight-year deals i guess they'll never be in a situation where they'll ever be in that position again with with players because everybody's going to do a massive long contracts um but on, on kovacic um i think that you know you, you call yourself the the number one mateo kovacic uh fan i think that uh, you, you probably have some competition there from from Thomas Tuchel because uh, I think that probably the best the best football of uh, Kovacic's career was was played when when Tuchel was the Chelsea manager. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at Bayern and, and have that reunion with um with with Thomas Tuchel, who you know I think really really rated Kovacic for the you know the the tactical understanding and the um the intelligence that he had in his game and. Um, I agree with you that he can be, he can be quite inconsistent, and um, and and there are times when he he can be extremely frustrating, and, and at times a little bit of a, if you play, I think if you play him in the in the wrong position, and, and you ask a little bit too much from him, he can be exposed. Um, I think on the defensive side of things, and he and he probably can uh, frustrate a little bit on the fact that there there are points at which with Kovacic where he's absolutely incredible at breaking the lines and getting through challenges and, and winning the ball back and then suddenly bursting through um, through midfield and then you want that final ball from him <clears throat> and it doesn't quite come or you want the shot and it doesn't come. <coughs> Sorry. And um, and obviously with him where you've, you've seen at times where he scored these absolutely spectacular goals. I mean, the, the one against, uh, the one you know, the one against Liverpool last season, incredible. Uh, the, the one against Leicester, Earlier in the uh, earlier in the season, during one one of Chelsea's very good good days, was you know another amazing goal. You look at that and you think the technique is incredible. Um, you'd love to see him do it more often, but it doesn't really come. And so they're not the goals from midfield at times. But I agree with you on the experience front. He's one of those few ones in the squad who has it. He's 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 won trophies. You know he's got that. I think he's got that mentality as well. Um, I, I think that it's potentially a bigger loss than some people may realise. I think he's one of those players who potentially, you almost don't quite appreciate how good they are until they're not there. Um, by, the, by the same token, I, I don't think that he's probably irreplaceable. But I, I suppose on the, on the midfield front, though, um, it can feel a little bit like Chelsea are heavily stocked there. But, I mean, it, it's, it's not necessarily the case, is it? I mean, obviously, they've lost Jorginho. Enzo Fernandez probably still finding his feet. Kante, you're never quite sure if you can, obviously with the contract with Kante, I would expect that to get done, but still it's not done yet. And you're never quite sure though with Kante on the on the fitness front. And and then obviously Zachariah is going to go back. So they will need probably if, if Kovacic does go to to sort of sort out that to, to sort out that area um and, and have a look at it. Um so I think it will be a loss. And and I think the fact that you look at the clubs who are are interested in them again you've got the, the two Manchester clubs who are who are interested as well so there are people who recognize um what a good player he is but I, I just think that um it just feels to be honest like it's coming to a natural end from from both uh from both sides and um I, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he if he goes I'm, I'm not sure they'll put up a massive fight to keep him either yeah, I mean, it's a shame to see they won't, um, or you're not sure, but I, I hope we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, to explain it really well in terms of his game and, and how he can get through three midfielders and then the, the last ball is, is not quite there. But I do agree with you as well. I just, I just think it's one that Chelsea may miss um, more than some fans 
think. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully it doesn't come to that and there is some sort of sudden turnaround. But um, yeah, just on staying on midfield, Jacob, have, have you heard in terms of Chelsea's top targets at the moment for midfield? Because for me, we do need a partner for Enzo Fernandez. I think Enzo playing as a number six, he can do it. But um, you know, I, I think he could show more of his game if, if he was played more further forward. Um, so are you hearing any any sort of top targets for Chelsea at the moment? We've, we've been linked with um, Romeo Lavia quite hem- heavily. Declan Rice doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think it suits us perfectly, but it just seems like it won't happen for some reason. Maybe Arsenal. Um, so yeah, it, what are you hearing in terms of the, the midfield front for targets? Yeah, I think quite possibly um, that the Declan Rice ship has sailed. I think that um, I think with with him, I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up at Arsenal, assuming that they can get the figures that that West Ham want, because obviously it's um, you know, it's probably the one of their best players for thirty years, and um, and although he's not got too long left on his contract, he's he's worth so much to them, and I think that perhaps. You might have had a different um, conversation if Chelsea were in the Champions League, but I think with with him, he needs to be playing at that kind of level, and Chelsea won't be next season, um, so that probably hurts them there. I I think that he would be perfect for them. Um, there were a little couple of conversations last summer about it happening, but it but it they were told very much no by West Ham, so it didn't go anywhere at that point. Um, and and the, the fact they've had such a bad season has probably hurt them. I mean, Romeo, Romeo Lavia, obviously someone who, um, you know, that, there was that very strange episode last summer where he just joined Southampton and and then was uh, being linked with with Chelsea. I was kind of watching that afar from afar at the point at that point. I think it was on paternity leave when that when that broke. So um, yeah, it wasn't just sleep deprivation that that, that um, maybe read that story but it was actually happening. Um, you know, he has looked pretty good for um, Southampton this season. I, I've seen him uh, play a few times and I thought he looked, he's obviously had two pretty good games against Chelsea, actually. I thought he looked very good for Southampton in their game again when they drew with Arsenal, 3 all. Um But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a pretty easy, you know, he's a young player. They're going to go down. Obviously, the fact they're going down probably makes him a little bit easier to sign, but I'm not sure that he's going to instantly were he to join Chelsea, have a massively transformative effect. I think he's probably got a lot to learn. Um, I think that's been a point made by uh, the, the various managers he's had at Southampton this season, uh, particularly Ruben Sellers. I think he said a few weeks ago that he wanted him to do more at one point. Um, so so I think, you know, were they to sign him, I, I still think that it, they might need a little bit more in, in there. It's, it's difficult, though, because of um, how much has been spent on, on Enzo Fernandez for a start and, and the fact that he really needs to come good and I guess there are other parts of the team A that need to be um need to probably have a little bit of attention paid to as well but also uh just just the fact that they need to get rid of players and um and, and I suppose that's to be honest going to be where the where where the focus is they also need a, they also need a new manager to to come in and um and, and sort them out. I mean I think that the the two two who probably for me stand out where I'd be interested to see whether they go back for them would be the uh the two at Brighton, um McAllister and and um and Caicedo because obviously they were they were interested in, in January. I do think McAllister it seems like he may well um end up back at um he, he may, it seems like he will end up at uh 
uh, Liverpool and um, and, and on Caicedo, it, it may be that he again, if he's going to leave Brighton, who may well qualify for Europe, may want to be playing at a high level, which obviously Chelsea without European football, it's going to be difficult. You might think to attract certain players. They might also uh, potentially um, be a little wary of, of, of dealing with with Brighton again after some of the recent experiences that they've had. Yeah, I think Caicedo would be a brilliant signing, to be fair. And I, I don't know. I, I understand Chelsea won't have European football, but I think some players may sort of see the bigger picture, hopefully, with, with sort of the project. And I think so far, with the amount of players Chelsea have signed and, you know, pulling Enzo in January and, and that type of thing, I think Fedade Bali, Todd Bowley, you know, and the others have done a very good job in terms of presenting the project to, to these players. So I have less of concern on that end in terms of attracting players, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to to see who Chelsea signed. So I want to finish off then just with two more key positions. Um, the attack, particularly the striker, Jacob. Um, who are you hearing in, in terms of top targets for Chelsea? Because I think the striker market is is, is quite, um, I would say, limited. I mean, there's a few options in terms of Ossiman and, 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 and Gon, Gon, Goncalo Ramos. Um but other than that, I mean, Ivan Tony would be my number one, but obviously he has that situation um, with with the the whole betting situation. We don't know how that's going to turn out. So, um, yeah. are, you hear, are you hearing anything in in terms of Chelsea's sort of striker wishes? Obviously, Harry Kane would be the pipe dream, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think I know. I I, I think you can cross. I, I know. I know that there'll be the link made because of um, because of Pochettino, but I could I could not ever see, especially with the contract situation um Daniel Levy ever selling Harry Kane to Chelsea given the the relationship between the two clubs I mean I think that there will be the um there'll be I think there'll be the interest with um uh with Victor Ossiman but I don't think that Chelsea are going to be a the the only team that will be in for him should you know Napoli get to a point where they want to send because they obviously with with Napoli they probably will want to defend the title, have another stronger stab at the Champions League next season. That'll be harder if they lose a player um, who, who looks as good as him. Um, but Chelsea won't be the only team that are in for him. And, and and I know what you're saying about European football, where it might not be such a big deal, but I think it might be a big deal when it comes to that kind of player. Um, they've obviously got the buyback on, on Tammy Abraham. Some people, I see some fans really go wild about Tammy Abraham. I'm, I'm not sure if um, while, while he's obviously a very good player, if he would necessarily take Chelsea where they want to go, if he was to be the the number one every week, I'm not sure he's had a the I'm not sure he's had the the season that he did uh, last year at, at Roma. Um, obviously, didn't get in the England squad for the the World Cup, being left out of the last couple as well. Um, Something you know, people like Callum Wilson, Ivan Tony being ahead of him. I think Tony would be a very, very interesting signing. I'd love to see whether or not he could make that step up. Um, I think, you know, you, you look at the all beyond the simple ability to score goals uh, that, that he's got and, and obviously put away those those penalties as well. Um, you look at the, the physicality and also the intelligence and, and link-up play. It'd be very, very interesting to see whether or not he could make that kind of, um, that kind of step up. Uh, you, it would probably be a, a move where you'd think it would absolutely have to work out, partly because of you know the issues that you, you alluded to, but also he's 27, so 
he probably doesn't have this it would probably be the one move basically it, it, it would it would need to work out i think there's probably not too much more um improvement to come from him i think is you know given 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 his age i think you know um it's it's not a it's not a young player it's probably a player approaching his prime um i think it would be a I can I can I can see the logic behind it because he's had two very very good seasons in, in the Premier League now and, and got into the England squad and um, I, I think he's such a talented player, free kicks as well. Um, it's just another added bonus with him. Um, and uh, you, you obviously uh, got the whole issue though of the fact that you're bringing in you are bringing in a forward. Um, there is another player who's coming in in Nkunku so going to have to work out where he uh, fits in um, and whether or not he plays through the middle does he play off, off the off the front does he play as wide, another wide player what, what about um, Joel Felix as well do you, do you reckon he could stay or like there's a lot of attackers really uh, yeah I know I, I mean I, I I could I could see them I could see them doing it because they you know there's been some you know people who like him but I don't think that they should and I don't see him as a Pochettino player I think that um, I think that Felix is very talented. Uh, I think he's done some good things, and at times he's looked very, very good. Um, but I think he's always left you wanting a little bit more. And I wonder whether he's able to kind of press in the way that Pochettino will want him to. Whether he's going to have that hard running that that you tend to associate with the Pochettino teams. And beyond that, he's you know he's, he's He's scored three goals, hasn't he, since he's come in? I think I think that's right. Uh, it's either three or four, and I'm not I'm not sure that he's made up for some of the the drawbacks in in his game. Where I think he's you look at it and he's tired quite a lot in, in games. I think that he started he started very well, and then in in certain games, and then he's kind of tailed off. I'm not sure he's he's compensated enough in um with with the what he's produced in the, in the final third. Uh, while being here, so personally, I I would um, not go for what would be a very very expensive signing, and then you're going to have to um, to work out what you do with a player who came on in the uh, in that Milan derby last night in in Romelu Lukaku. Does he does he stay? Does he go? I mean, I, I can't see how they can sell him, but um, I could you could potentially see another loan into. But he's not had a great season there. Obviously, wasn't you know even starting in that Champions League semi final, and so are they going to? If it gets to the point where you can get past some of the issues that there probably will be with the fans with Lukaku, um, and whether or not he's a Pochettino player, they may need to um, see if they can actually be a little bit pragmatic and, and make this work. And I suppose, while I'm not his his biggest his biggest fan, Lukaku, um, you can you can kind of come up with an argument for, well. Obviously, while Chelsea have been really blunt this season, and some of those wide players can be quite frustrating, um, what they really have lacked all, all the all the way through is a number nine. And if you create the chances for him, then we all know that he's a good finisher. Um, I, do, I do kind of think, though, that uh, while what I'm saying sounds like it makes sense, I think it's quite possibly what we were saying two years ago when he joined Chelsea and, you know, just sort of people were saying, well, all they need is just this one, the final piece in the jigsaw is the number nine. And, and obviously look at what Lukaku's just done at Inter, um, scoring all those, scoring all those goals and, and getting them the, getting them the title. Um, this will be the player who'll take them to, to the, 
Premier League title. And that was Chelsea in a better place back then. Um, and, it, and it didn't work out then. And he was probably a better player back then. So, um, I, you know, I think you probably go into that one with your eyes open and not expecting too much, um, even while trying to sort of um, have your uh, optimist, be, be as optimistic as possible about it. Oh, and you've got Aubameyang as well. So... Yeah, I think Aubameyang. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we we definitely have got a lot of strikers um to consider. Uh, I think you mentioned obviously there, Joel Felix not potentially being a Pochettino type player. I do see the same with Lukaku. To be fair, I mean he's a great goal scorer, but I don't know. Pochettino likes players that press from the front. I just don't know if Lukaku is the right fit. So yeah, I, I also think he just want to stay in Italy now. So perhaps try and agree something with, with Inter Milan there for for another loan. Um, obviously he's coming into a bit of form now, which which will help Chelsea. Um, but Jacob, let, let's go back um, back on the pitch. Let's go to the goalkeeper. Um, there's been some rumours lately of Andre Onana. Um, have you heard anything on, on, on the goalkeeper front? Obviously, Kepa and Mendy probably understood to be leaving. Um, Going to be difficult, though, to sell both of them, especially Kepa, because he's on big wages, maybe less so Mendy. Um, Kepa's going to be hard to sell, I think. Um, but yeah, what, what are you hearing on, on the goalkeeper front? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the point you raised with, with Kepper is is interesting because um, one of the I think it, it sort of feeds into one of the things that that Chelsea are going to to, to potentially struggle with when they come to to selling uh, players this summer is that just the way that the, the market has gone in Europe is it's um, there's not so much money on the continent and so some of those places that they were able to get players off to in the past they might not have the money that it takes to sign an expensive um premier league player and, and, and help out the english club when they when they're trying to raise a bit of cash and and, and kepper probably uh falls into that category and you, you're wondering exactly where he might go um and i agree with you given the wages that the transfer fee that he probably by now that he uh that he came to chelsea for is probably less of a um less of a consideration given that it's quite a long time ago now um and it was probably an inflated fee at the time um but uh, you know i think that you look at kepa and he's he's had a decent season certainly in comparison to previous years at chelsea but i think there are still a few too many moments where you just feel that mm, would 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 an allison uh you know, would 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 a Courtois or anyone else would would those those absolute top goalkeepers would they have let that in? Um, and I think you just get a few too many of those moments with Kepa, while he's probably he's been probably actually one of Chelsea's better players this season, and so I can understand why you you would look at that and think the thing to do here is to go and 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 uh, um and have a new number one and um. And obviously, if I was Kepa, I don't think I'd want to go back to being the number two. So I think I'd be trying to get out of there um, beyond beyond the fact that you know Chelsea needing to just raise money. If I was Kepa, I'd be doing it for the sake of my career, trying to trying to find a move. Um, I do find what's interesting, uh, what's happened with Edouard Mendy, is <laughs> kind of fascinating because he he was such a good first season and such a key part of winning the um, winning the Champions League uh, with Chelsea, and it just kind of fell off a cliff really and um you know because the errors started creeping in didn't they during the sort of the winter of the first of, of uh of his second season last year 
and you know sort of the issues that came out started to crop up with with a bit of his distribution at times and and then you know this season obviously didn't seem like uh, Potter ever really fancied him and just the injury as well just seems to have really stopped him from um making a real push for it uh you know <laughs> it's it's strange how it's happened because i think we we if you if you sort of reel back about um you know about 18 months or so and you go to that away game at Brentford where pretty much won the game for Chelsea single-handedly people were talking about one of the best goalkeepers in the world so it's funny how how quickly that's kind of that's kind of changed but again he's you know he's someone with with one of those contract situations where um he's not found agreement with the club so um I think I can I can see him a leaving probably B being easier to move on than than Kevin I think the summer will probably actually get a very good goalkeeper out of that Anana is definitely a target um, and, and uh, has always looked like a very good goalkeeper. Um, obviously, he was uh, last night in the, in the Champions League keeping a keeping clean sheet. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but I think he sets up some kind of record by doing so. Uh, and uh, people like um, people like obviously David Raya at Brentford, who's obviously also been linked with um, uh, Spurs as well, who, who probably going to need to be replacing Lloris is somebody who. Who comes to mind? But I think it's I think it's a big position for Chelsea to sort out because um, if they don't think that Mendy is is going to be the the um, able to to sort of get that form back that he had in that first eighteen months or so, then I'm not sure that Kepa is going to be the, the the player that um, the goalkeeper that's going to sort of get them challenging for trophies again. Yeah, I agree. I, I think on Mendy as well, perhaps play style. I mean, for me personally. More than the goalkeepers need to be really good on the ball, and I think Anana is exceptional on the ball, and I think Mendy's definitely got some deficiencies there in terms of playing out the back. Um, so uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be hard to hard to see him go though, because he's he's definitely done really really good for us. Um, I guess the last question I would have for you, Jacob, is is sort of on Levi Colwell. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Levi Colwell. Do you expect him to stay in the squad next season, and and sort of you know what are you hearing in terms of how much the club rate him because I think him and Badia Shear was as the left centre back options could could provide some some real good options for Chelsea next season. And also just lastly on that, um sort of a caveat, sort of Paul Wynn Stanley and Lawrence Stewart, they're understood to be the, the close sporting directors right at the moment. So do you expect them to to conduct the majority of business and, and Todd Bowley and, and Badadik Bali take a little step back because you know I mean they must still be worn out by the Enzo Fernandez negotiations. Um so yeah, what's your sort of understanding on those two situations? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still worn out by the Enzo Fernandez uh, situation, so I'm sure they are as well. Um, club rate Levi Colwell really highly. Um, he's he's had a little tricky time, I guess, at, at Brighton just with the injuries. But when he's played, he has looked, um, you know, in a very good side, like the very good player that he is. And um, I don't just think he's interesting for uh, for for Chelsea. I think that he's potentially um depending on what he's able to produce next season going to be interesting from an England perspective going into another tournament because of that um those lingering doubts that I think probably everybody has on the the left side of England's defense with with Harry Maguire and whether or not um you know this this very exciting left-sided player in, in Levi Colwell is able to um, potentially force his way into that uh conversation so I think that's going to be interesting and I think that um, that, that makes it interesting for, for a number of reasons in terms of what he does next season. 
I think that there will be a desire to get him back into the squad. Um, there's, you know, really, they really don't want to sell him. Um, saying that, Chelsea kind of, you know, you, you you can you can say that, but you need to ensure that the player feels that. And um, you know, it, I guess it was a little bit strange maybe to see them go for while well, he's, you know, looked at, has actually looked like a pretty good player. Badi Shile, given that he kind of plays in that similar position to to Colwell, and can you get them in the same side? That will be interesting to see, uh, because that might come into his thinking. Um, you know, a lot of money's been spent on on, on Badi Shile. Uh, he, they want you know the club want him to sign a new contract. It's it's yet to be, um, it's not been signed yet, and um, I think it would be uh, obviously if if he if he if he does, then then you know kind of probably closes off a lot of questions about his about his future there's a lot of interest in uh in, in Colwell and um you know it's from from quite a few clubs and um obviously Brighton I think would love to have him back and uh they, they they've done quite well out of that out of that deal with with Cucurella going the other way in exchange for a lot of money and um you know if they could do I think they you know they'd, they'd like to have another year of him at, at the very at the very least I think that Chelsea would probably be making a big mistake if that was to happen, but they need to make sure that that Colwell kind of can can feel that he's got the uh, career pathway you know through into the into the first team because you know when 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 players start to feel that's not there, then that's when they start to get itchy feet. But you know I, I do know that Chelsea they do they do really rate him. It's, there's there's not a um, there's not a uh, flippancy here. This you know it's, it's a genuine. Um, admiration for, for the for the for the player so i i i i'm, I'm my, my my guess is that unless they you know i'm kind of talking myself potentially round but you know un, unless they get into real problems with with selling up with you know whether or not they can sell other players i, I think that cole will be one who would stay um i think it will potentially be an interesting summer though if they if they start to need to raise funds elsewhere then might they need to sacrifice him and you know then Questions will start to be asked about all the uh, young centre backs out of the academy who've been who've been let go down the years, and it doesn't seem like the defence is necessarily all the better for it. Um, on the uh, second point, yeah, I mean, I think that those two will obviously uh, have a big say over the um, over the uh, recruitment in the summer. I think that they not been at the club too long, so you know, I think maybe we'll start to see. Uh, you know their impact grow over the hopefully the next few years because obviously last summer without any real structure there was a um you know wasn't a very efficient transfer market and and while obviously uh the the, the january window was was kind of crazy in terms of the numbers that were that were coming out and, and everything and, and the amount of players that were coming in and the players who weren't leaving the club you could kind of see more of a strategy there in terms of young players who were being brought in and you can while it feels like a mess at the moment you, you can see you can see a world in which actually this Chelsea side turns into a very good one um, given the potential of some of the players that, that have been brought in um, so they've also been these two have been involved in the uh, search for the new manager alongside the the owners and everything and um yeah, they, will, they obviously will have a, a big say over things, but I I don't think it would be a major surprise if uh, the owners stayed involved in some way in, in terms of uh, in terms of recruitment. Um, you know, it's obviously their club, so if they, if they want to, there's there's nothing to stop them. 
yeah, I, I, I do agree, but I would personally want, you know, the, the football experts in charge to, to, you know, conduct the majority of the decisions. I hope that does happen for me personally, because I remember watching an interview in, in sort of 2019 when Bowley obviously had those little links with Chelsea back when he, uh, there was rumours he tried to buy Chelsea before, but obviously never came off. Um, he said that, you know, the, the idea is that you, you put the experts in place and you sort of let it run from there. Whereas, you know, he has put the experts in place. But I still think there's some lingering, lingering questions whether, you know, he is going to let the business run now. And obviously, Bali is more um, actually influent, influential than, than some fans may think as well. He's obviously the, the, the actual football fan here as well. And obviously, he has the majority stake. So he's definitely involved more than fans think. So... Um, anyway, Jake, I think that's a, a really good way to to end off the episode. Thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate it. Um, is there any any sort of links you you want to plug or or anything coming up that that could be interesting for for our listeners here to to sort of read and and look forward to? I think we're just waiting for Pochettino to join, and then the uh, <laughs> yeah, and probably the interesting articles start up again. It's all it's all a bit um, yeah. It's, on the Chelsea front, it's all a bit draft tonight. I'm I'm um focused elsewhere at the moment on uh I'm about I'm about to head out to West Ham's Europa the the, the, the glamorous Europa Conference League semi-final against RZ Akma. So yeah that's kind of where things are at the moment. I think that things on, on Chelsea will pick up when uh, as and when they have a new manager and um you know as and when the favourite thing opens again when the transfer window opens then then I think we'll start to see some more interesting things develop. Yeah, unfortunately, that is the situation, guys. We just have to wait, be patient. I know we've been incredibly patient um, for the new manager, but, you know, it was labelled to us. We, we all know it was going to be an exhaustive process, and although it seems Pochettino is going to be the man, it's, it's definitely something that we do need to rate... Uh, do need to wait for still so anyway thank you everyone for listening to this episode go and check out jacob's uh, twitter handle and also obviously the guardian i'll leave those links in the description below and also one final thing if you have enjoyed this episode please do give it a five star rating if possible on spotify it's just under the episode um or the sort of like general hub of, of when you search london's first podcast um we've currently got 97 ratings at 4.9 stars so that's really really good let's try and reach over 100 that'd be really really appreciated and other than that guys we will see you in the next episode thank you so much for listening and i'll hope hopefully soon i can get some you know more guests more regularly as well that's that's my end for you guys to, to try and bring more regular episodes um but do trust me i am trying so uh yeah anyway see you in the next one